0: from a galaxy far far away and a bookshelf straight out of the 90s from Thrawn to Dantooine and everything in between this is Legends Look Back hello everyone it's Freddy C that's right I'm doing a cold open I haven't done one of these uh in a long time Right, Jared. I I can't even remember the last time I, I did one of these these cold. I think opens. it was when
1: I was concussed. Exa- <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, it's when you when you were concussed. I, I think you were off two episodes, and I had to lead those two, which was pretty interesting. We got to talk to Trevor. But I, I have a story that that was very cold open worthy, right? And so just just waking up this morning, I, I you know I do my thing. I I go grab my toothbrush, getting ready to brush my teeth. I stand in the hallway, and there is Eric Eilerson looking straight at me, brushing his own teeth. <laughs> and I'm just like, what the heck is going on here? <laughs> uh, so it, it's crazy because Eric Eilerson is here. to uh, He's staying at my place. I'm about 25 minutes from Disneyland. And so I picked him up at the airport, and I see this guy wearing uh, an Ahsoka shirt and this massive, massive R2-D2 uh, luggage just staring waving at me and there he is and he's in my car he's in my house he's taken over he i was i'm i'm surprised he's not here right now but uh that
2: would have been cool i should have just let you guys do the show this week
0: <laughs> yeah he's at he's at disneyland right now so he's he's a bit busy but it's just the weirdest thing to see somebody you you've only talked to right on on the stream brushing his teeth looking at you saying hey dude <laughs> it's <laughs> crazy it's crazy yeah
2: Excellent. Well, Freddie, uh, I'm like a little bit jealous. A little bit jealous. I mean, (laughs) not of having Eric in my house. Yeah, obviously, that would be great. I don't think who among us wouldn't want Eric to come and visit in person. But specifically, you know, I had two trips to California. Tickets booked and everything that I had to cancel, in which I was going to come bunk with you. And uh, I don't have R2-D2 luggage. My luggage is like um, being held apart by, uh, held together with, plastic um, zip ties <laughs> because i'm redneck like that <laughs> zip ties. but i i have been uh, loving the pictures that eric's been posting from galaxy's edge and looking forward to being able to get out there myself one of these days and um everybody want to follow eric on instagram if you want to check out uh, his pictures from the park i can't wait to hear him recap that on the living force i mean it's gonna happen though right isn't he gonna do like a
0: full trip breakdown. He's got. To. He has to. He absolutely has to. He looked so exhausted yesterday after he got home. I was like, "Jeez, dude, where'd you go? <laughs> you sure you didn't go to Batu?" So the
2: only the only more tiring thing than doing Disney is doing Disney with kids. Oh all right? goodness, <laughs> I, I can't even
0: imagine what that's like.
2: You know what isn't nearly as tiring as doing Disney with kids? This episode of Legends Look Back, we are dying to get into it so without further ado let's start the show hello everybody and welcome to legends look back proudly part of the utini podcast network this is a star wars books podcast for people who yell "Calabunga" when they dip their dunkaroos where we celebrate our rich eu history as well as dive into lesser known star wars classics i'm your host jared mays and i'm joined by the most hospitable man in the galaxy Freddie c
0: (laughs) how's it going guys I can confirm that Eric Eilerson brushes his teeth for a full two minutes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Now, here's the question. How how tall is he?
0: Uh, You know, we're about about eye level, so we look straight at each other. There's no no supremacy there for anybody.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We've got an ongoing inside joke at Uteni about how tall everybody is in person, for those who have met each other, because the joke is that Corey is kind of short. (laughs) <laughs> and that uh, Charles is freakishly tall, yeah. as is Timothy. And so it's like when you meet people in person, it, Emma, I met Emma, very tall, very tall, at probably my height. And, you know, like I'm average height for a man, I'm like 5'11", and it was like, whoa, she's she's my height, didn't expect that. So uh, yeah, Freddie, I have no idea how tall you are, don't tell me, don't okay. spoil it, Okay, I'm going to find out. One of these days when I make it to California, I do, however, know how tall Rick Grace is because we were friends from college. I've actually met him in person. He does exist. Him with or without glasses. Tonight, <laughs> no glasses. How
1: are you, Rick? I'm good. Red Leader is standing by. <laughs> I he does have glasses. I am ready to go. I'm so excited Except about this their... episode. <laughs>
2: the goggles.
1: I'm loving that. Yeah, <laughs> man. The fact that
0: you have to hold your, your headphone to your ears so <laughs> That's great. That's right.
2: That's the thumbnail. Somebody write that down. <laughs> For sure. I love it. Oh.
1: <laughs> for Glad sure. to make my oh thumbnail my debut.
2: <laughs> it's time. It's time. I love that it's got a chin strap. Yeah, man. It kind of hurts, but I like it.
0: <laughs> the that's things we a, do for beauty.
2: I know. That's what I'm tweeting tonight <laughs> with that thumbnail is it kind of hurts, but I like it. Um, it's good stuff. Good stuff. The Legends Look Back slogan. You know who else loves Legends Look Back? Our other host for this evening, Emily Daybeck. How are you?
3: I'm doing okay, Jared, I'm doing okay. I'm really excited to be here though. I'm excited to like do my first roundtable with a Legends Book, I actually get to talk about it with people. Very, very exciting.
2: Is it really? It's your first. Your first like true Legends Book roundtable. Yeah. Everybody, round of applause for Ooh, Emily. That's right. Except for not too not too loudly so as to wake her baby. Um, don't want to wake the talk child. About <laughs> <laughs> if you do you're crying tonight, mm-hmm. it's uh it's Cornhorn. It's Cornhorn. <laughs> he, you know, kind of a cry baby. Spoiler. We're going to be talking about the the old school classic, you could even call it essential Legends book, Rogue Squadron. I know what you're mm. thinking tonight. Hey, didn't you guys already cover Rogue Squadron? The answer to that is shut up. <laughs> no, we did. Uh, it was Legends Look Back episode four, hey, a long time ago. I went back and re-listened to it uh, recently to see like, oh, we have got these new essential Legends collections. We're going to be covering these. Want to try to get as many of them in as we can we got this new audio book we wanted to cover. we of got our hands on that one. Um, what was that? When did that come out? September? Um, wanted to find a way to cover it. Went back and was like, maybe we could reuse that old episode. No, we could not. <laughs> Freddie was impeccable. You could call him nigh-perfect. <laughs> However, we've grown a lot, haven't we, Freddie? since episode four? We have.
0: We have. We have two, two people who just fit in this show like, you know, I can't even think of an analogy right now other than puzzle piece. Uh but but I'm I'm so glad to talk about this book again. I can't stop. It's it's one of my top favorites. Everybody has an opinion on this book. Uh and I feel like there's really no in between. So I'm excited to to talk about it, especially with the audiobook. The mm. audiobook is yeah. amazing. I ugh, we'll get there. We'll yeah. get there.
2: Yeah, on the one hand, yes, we are redoing our Rogue Squadron roundtable. On the other hand, we want to get more perspectives, want to hear Rick and Emily's take on this. And on the other hand, hey, if you uh, have already listened to that old episode, we are not doing the same questions. Um, There will be some overlap here and there because, of course, this is, uh, you know, the same book that we did, what, two years ago. However, however, we are going to be going into deep detail on uh, evaluating this new audiobook performance that is recently been released by Penguin Random House Audio performed by Mark Thompson. Uh, finally, I guys, I've probably clamored every time man, countless, how do I even say this? I have sent in so many requests through random social media channels to the powers that be at Del Rey, at Audible, at uh, Penguin Random House Audio. Uh, just begging for Rogue Squadron audiobooks. So, like, you know, I don't know what actually made their decision, <laughs> but I'd like to think I get a little bit of the credit. What do you guys think? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Yep, <laughs> I'd say so.
0: I'd say, uh, uh, we are the reason they they brought it back into you know a possible show.
2: So. Yeah, <laughs> this feels like that episode of The Office where
0: Michael and Dwight
2: are outside of David Wallace's house <laughs> when the branch was closing. <laughs> And then they think that, like, he wasn't even at home. They went there to try to, like, sway him, convince him, you know, to save the branch. But all the, all the other scenes in the episode are, you know, how, like, they offer the job to Josh, who then leverages his offer against corporate. Wow, this is a really deep analogy. All right. Committing. Committing. Going with it. Uh, of course, the guy leverages his offer, doesn't get the job. So then they decide they're going to make Scranton, they're going to keep it. They're going to absorb into it. And uh, they save the branch. And at the end, they get the message, We saved the branch. And they, they said, We did it. <laughs> That's how it feels. Freddie, yes. it feels like we're giving ourselves credit, even though, like, you know, it probably had nothing to do with us. <laughs> nice. nothing just to do with the movie existence. coming
3: out soon. Nothing at all. It was just purely <laughs> your yeah. persistence, the squeaky wheel.
1: Goodness.
2: there is a movie there is a movie yeah, yeah we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about that for sure oh man I, I forgot about it I mean because it's like they made the announcement it's off the radar no trailer yeah. you know it's going to be made who, who knows where it's at in its development Um, we've got plenty of Legends books to read in the meantime I don't like get antsy about these kinds of things like I did in that like two three years leading up to The Force Awakens man mm-hmm. that was intense however in uh, you know preparing for this show I was like oh yeah there is a a movie coming out. Goodness. Whew. I'm excited for that. We're going to talk about our hopes and dreams for that. Tonight, we are not going to get into the weeds with Thracken's Thrift Store or Legends Lookout, but I can't help myself. I do have one thing to show off. I had my uh, 30th birthday this week. Gonna uh, Happy birthday. Freddie, you got the candles there for us to blow out? You got uh, the candles. Got them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You don't have to wish me happy birthday, but I do want to show off this rad Legends-y shirt that my wife got me for my birthday. It is for Power Rangers fans. Oh go.
0: my goodness.
2: The Angel Grove Youth Center
0: Gym Gym and, Juice and Juice Bar, Juice
2: nice. Bar shirt. I'm so cool. um, very proud of it. It's kind of silky smooth, too, nice and fresh. It's still got that, that new shirt smell. Mm. You know what I'm talking I mean, about? The target smell.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> here's, here's the question When I wear this out in the wild, is anybody going to see it and recognize Definitely. it? Ooh. For sure. that- Are they going to see it and, and say, go, go, go Power Rangers, right? that's a that's we'll see. that's a
0: tough one i i feel like uh and i don't know how many people would actually understand that that's a, a power ranger reference the ones who do though yeah those are the real ones
1: yeah As i was gonna say it's subtle but yeah you know you know your people when you when they do recognize it that's subtle.
2: right that's it's like just subtle enough you know what's subtle like a huge <laughs> smoothie on your shirt <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm sure someone's <laughs> going to see it and not even like consciously recognize it, but just they're going to have a, a subconscious better day because of that shirt, you know, just going to so, right? mesh with their childhood and all that.
2: You know what? It would look even better if I was wearing a, a homemade uh, Rogue Squadron pilot helmet. <laughs> uh, so cool. Yeah.
1: This is <laughs> with the chin strap. This is the one <laughs> Do that uh, I showed off or I had a picture of from the Get to Know You episode where I had those stupid white arms. You know, remember yeah. that one? So, uh, yeah. So That's my screensaver. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: it's probably kidding. good for, no, for no. Halloween you know yeah it's It'll good scare inspiration the children. <laughs>
0: scare the children. I love it
1: oh my gosh
2: yeah I. you know the only thing that's missing besides the white arms Rick is the awkwardly shaven face
1: oh yes that's fair and that's not happening you have to pay me for that hey but because we haven't yet I just want to say uh, naked Palpatine uh, it's been a while so I just wanted to make sure we had that mentioned at least once <laughs>
2: Well, what's remarkable about what the heck just made a noise behind me, top it wasn't Palpatine. <laughs> the
0: oh, slimy noise of Palpatine somehow as he entered the room. <laughs> well,
2: so uh we're working on some stuff behind the scenes and um Wes sent uh, something over to Rick that uh, when he unboxed it had an image of naked Palpatine plastered across the front. Yes. So- <laughs> Yes. Got <laughs> to love that the, the meme lives on. It's also lived on very well over on the Cosmic Force. They've done a great job. I to give a shout out to our sister show, the Cosmic Force. Great job, especially at referencing Naked Palpatine on a consistent, regular basis. Well done over there. Actually wanted to plug specifically for the Legends community that we did a show last night. Uh, Jacob, Caleb, and myself, both Emma and Tyler were uh, slain in a Sith duel right before the show could begin. I don't know who did it. It wasn't me. I got to fill their spot, and we talked all about the art of legendary comics artist Jan Dersma, and so uh, she was one of we called her the most prolific and influential Star Wars comics artist of all time, and I stand by that. I stand by it. Don't you think so, Freddie? Yeah, I really Big think Dersma so. fan. I actually, had to fight you for who was going to get that slot <laughs> on the show, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Originally, we were you know I, I we both volunteered for it. Uh, it's you know Jan Dersma's. Is one of my one of my favorite artists for sure. Uh, her stories are great as well. Uh, I do I do want to mention there was a whole row of figurines right here that just fell down after we talked about naked Palpatine. So might Wait, be. Wait, was sign.
2: that noise on your end? I thought it was
0: behind it, me. It, it, I mean, it must have been on both. But yeah, my every single one of them. There's like six of them on the floor <laughs> right now.
1: Is, is there a dyad <laughs> in the force? <laughs> oh. <No.
3: laughs>
0: You keep that can of nonsense
3: out of my Legends show.
2: Right? It was either that, that or was, an earthquake. Who knows? I was wondering if that would fly. I was going to say,
3: earthquake sounds more, more like it.
2: Well, I can't wait for us to get... I'm hoping that in the spring we can have Caleb over here on our show to talk about <laughs> the Quinlan Voss and Aayla Secura um, storyline from the Republic Comics from Dark Horse in like the, the early to mid-2000s. Absolutely, for my money, some of the finest legends storytelling of all time. Yes. The way that they're able to keep you guessing on is Quinlan Voss, light side, dark side. Do you think we can call him the original Great Jedi, Freddy?
0: Oh, yeah. I, I would say so. Quinlan Voss is... H- how do I put this? Every time I read about Quinlan Voss, I can just sit there thinking, I know, buddy. Me too. Uh, I, I, he, I feel like he just sides with... with my logic of what's wrong with the Jedi and they take themselves too seriously. And he doesn't really take himself too seriously. Although he does fall down a pretty deep rabbit hole.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, what's fun is, you know, you've got a story arc with, uh, Aayla Secura and Quinlan boss. And then you jump over and you've got like a Obi-Wan and Anakin adventure. <laughs> so cool. And, uh, Obi-Wan's rivalry with, um, uh, Asajj Ventress in that series is excellent, man. It's really dark and moody. You want, you want yourself some dark and moody, Obi-Wan. That's where you go. All right. Well, I'll start ranting about that. If you want to check that out, that is the Cosmic Forest episode 27 that launched last night. If you listen to this live, Wednesday, October 20th, 2021. So awesome. Uh, huge shout out to our, uh, our bros, our friends over there at uh, the Cosmic Forest putting in great work. And uh, before we move on to the main part of the show, we're going to talk about the Rogue Squadron book. As well as the audio book. Hey, uh, we do want to give a plug for something that's coming up soon in our Discord. We're going to be tackling the AC Crispin Han Solo trilogy as a book club a kind of experiment with our friends over in the Legends Books Discord channel, uh, with our Utini Discord. And so, if you're not a part of that, hey, if you're an audio listener and you're not plugged into that Utini ecosystem, now would be a good time. Get your hands on some some good. Uh, Legends Hut content. <laughs> Nobody writes huts better than AC Crispin. Am I right?
0: No, it's some good stuff. I'm I'm really excited. November. Oh, there's going to be a lot of reading in November.
2: Well, I've been slowly making my way through the Hut Gambit, and by slowly, I mean one, two, <laughs> three, a, four, maybe six months. At a Hutt's pace. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. And not like those jacked cannon huts no we're talking (laughs) about old school legends huts where the only way you can get around is via hover sled (laughs) slow (laughs) hover sleds well before we get into it tonight let's plug our uh, ut network of shows and then we are going to talk all about the original expanded universe book featuring non original trilogy characters ish depending on how we want to classify that i'll work on the intro rick roll the tape As we discussed just a moment ago, we do have a new movie that has been announced that is going to be directed by Patty Jenkins that is called Rogue Squadron, which she says she wants to make the greatest fighter pilot movie ever made, or something like that. (laughs) Uh, Rogue Squadron has become all the more in the limelight. Uh, Also, just this past month, we had a a, a Central Legends Collection reprint part of this new ongoing series from our friends over at Del Rey, in which it got this... uh, do are calling these things trade paperbacks or mass park market paperbacks? Trade. These the are name, trade. Right? The trade. Yeah. Thank you, Rick. Yeah, the trade paperbacks of uh, the X-Wing series. It has now begun with one book. How many are we going to get? There's ten total. Will we get all ten? I doubt mm-hmm. it, but we've at least got the first one. We also now have a new audio book uh, recorded by the legend Mark Thompson himself. All the more reason for us here on Legends. look back to dive into... Everything you need to know about Rogue Squadron. Guys, I want to go around the table and ask, what's your experience with this book? When did you first When did you first read this? Uh, what was your first impression? How has it changed from then until now? Any juicy tidbits to share, Freddie? I know uh, you've read this <laughs> at least once before <laughs> least... because we uh had talked about it a couple years ago.
0: Yeah. Oh goodness, <clears throat> my first exposure to to X Wing Rogue Squadron it was was actually the video game Rogue Squadron. My very first Nintendo 64 game. I could smell the apple cinnamon candle burning now during the wintertime. It was <laughs> it was so memorable. Huh. And, uh, uh, you know, that was... Uh, when I'm when sure it,
2: that wasn't the sound of a Y-Wing cracking, <laughs> the, smell, the smell of a Y-Wing cracking. Yeah. Crack?
0: yeah. Uh, I can't remember when I first grabbed the book, but when I first played the game, I was very young. I mean, I, I wasn't reading Star Wars books at all yet. But definitely, I would say when I first picked it up, it was... It, it, I had seen it in the back of uh Truce Bakura. It was one of the printed books. And I was like, Oh, okay. Uh let me let me try this one, you know, X Wing. I love ships. I love ships, so let me just give this book a shot. And I'll never forget reading it in middle school, just being absolutely floored by what I just read. I was like, this is amazing.
2: Yeah, it gets heavy. Yeah. Uh, I remember being probably middle school as well, and you know, not everybody lives. Yeah. At one particular, we're not going to spoil it quite yet. Uh, but at one point, as a kid, I was like, "Oh, these characters are dying. I don't <laughs> like that. I don't like that one bit. I'm returning this thing to the library." And so I didn't end up getting to you know finish this book in its entirety until maybe twenty thirteen, twenty twelve. I read mm-hmm. you know most of the Legends books in those two, three, four year time time gap there before the Force Awakens came out because I was like, "Gotta read them all now. I've got gotta you know." Bide my Star Wars enthusiasm. Uh, how about you guys, Emily? I know this was your first read. Is that right?
3: It's right. Yeah, I knew how much Corey hated Cornhorn because he can't stop talking about it. So when I finally got to read a book about him, I was really curious why Corey hates him so much because I thought he was an eminently reasonable character. So anyway, <laughs> I've got other thoughts, but they can is, wait. <laughs>
2: There is quite a bit of lore built up behind the scenes uh with Corey and and uh Corin Horn here, right? You know, they've got the same initials. Uh Rick infamous <laughs> oh, in, uh, in, uh yeah. Cory infamously despises last uh how am I butchering all these titles tonight? <laughs> I Jedi. Yeah. I Jedi. Um there is a huge character arc for Korn Horn in Legends. This is the beginning of it. Mm. Now, infamously, and I need to like pull up the soundbite of this so we can play it on the show maybe next week. Corey did say that in his re-listen mm. to this audiobook, mm-hmm. which he did fairly recently, that he found Korn Horn as a much more tolerable character than he remembered. I heard that.
1: So I heard that. Let
2: that go on the record. He did say that. We'll talk more about. Yeah. We'll talk more about Cornhorn in a second. But like when he said it, you guys cannot imagine. How wide I grinned from ear to ear hmm. to hear Corey say yeah. that about uh,
1: about
2: Core and Horn. Rick, how many times have you read Rogue Squadron? So
1: this was my second time through, and I think it is my it is the first Legends book that I have reread. So it was cool to to get a second pass at it, and um, very similar to Freddy. I loved it because of the jargon and the ships and the the fighter combat that. All of that fleet combat, that's what I love about sci fi and Star Wars does not disappoint. And um this this book was filled with it and the series. I've read I think the first four books of the series. And um, you know, some of the some of the, the books kinda get out of space into other environments and um I want them to go back and fight in their and their in their you know their starfighters. But it is what it is. Um I don't think I caught much this time, because it's been like several years since I read them, and so I was just trying to keep up and kind of refresh my memory.
2: Now, there's a lot of debate that goes on behind the scenes. We always get people, I would say once a week, don't you think? Somebody pops over into the Legends Books Discord and asks this exact question. Hey, I want to read the new Jedi Order. I want to read Legacy of the Force. I want to read one of these huge post-Return of the Jedi Legends series. What are all the books that I have to read before I hit it? And Uh, You know, spoiler alert, behind the scenes, we don't all agree on the correct answer to this. I recently collaborated with Nathan on a New Jedi Order video project. And, you know, he and I had a little bit of disagreement on what are the essential Legends reads before New Jedi Order. I'll say this much. I had read Rogue Squadron, but not the whole series, before tackling that, um, you know, before that huge journey, New Jedi Order, Legacy of the Force, Fate of the Jedi then I went back and read the rest of the X Wing series, and it all clicked into place. Mm. I would—it's—it's it's not necessarily capital N necessary. However, there's so many beautiful, wonderful, playful, delightful payoffs later on in Legends if you have read these. What's your take on this, Freddie? As somebody who's read quite a bit of that post Return of the Jedi stuff,
0: are the X Wing books essential yes.
2: to understanding all of it?
0: Ah. Uh. Yeah, yeah. So, so the thing about a lot of people, it's a hot. How do I put this? The fandom is is split with everything. There's there's oh, yeah, people everything. that that dislike something about something, and it doesn't bug me because I know what I like, and I like it all to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when it comes to Rogue Squadron, uh, I used to call it X Wing, uh, but Rogue Squadron is honestly my one of my top five books that you must read. It it gives you a sense of what Rogue Squadron is, who they are, but it's also it it it's a different setting, right? We we get a lot of action on ground, uh, maybe fighting action, but how often do we get starship action, just pure starship action without yeah without the influence of of you know the Force, mm. right? These are just eh, and I you know I put an asterisk on that, but mm-hmm. uh you know how often do we get to read a Star Wars book without having to see a Jedi all the time? It doesn't happen often, but when it does, they're good stories, right? Like the Republic Commandos, great stories. I, I
2: would say this: these books have a little bit of the Force, but no lightsabers, yes. right? So there's that. There's that. And the Force, it's like you don't really realize it until you're a few books in. Unless you're picking up what he's putting down, which <laughs> in my reread through this time around, I was like, yeah, it doesn't seem so subtle this time, mm-hmm. but maybe that's because I know. Maybe-
0: I think it's because <laughs> you, you know. Cause I-, I think it's because you know.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah, we won't spoil that one for tonight. But uh, it does have the forest, doesn't have lightsabers. You know, we should do this episode one of these days, Freddie. Write this down. Um, the things that Star Wars fans are divided on, and we'll <laughs> give like our hot takes. Did you know there's even like a, a in fandom debate over which appendages Max Rebo uses to play his piano?
0: Huh. What? Well, I think the one thing that we can all agree on is that Han. Emily's like, what? <laughs> Why? Han shot first, guys. Yeah. That's that's <laughs> the one that no one's divisive of, right? We can yeah. all we can all agree.
1: Mm.
2: <laughs> I have actually said these exact words on this channel on this exact show. Greedo shot first. I've said it. <laughs> you have.
1: You definitely. Have.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was mostly just the punk Cheryl who is like very heated on this particular topic. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, I don't actually subscribe to it, but I'm not especially up in arms, or if you're Max Rebo, up in, up in feet. Yeah. <laughs> it depends. Yeah. It depends. Well, let's talk about the behind-the-scenes, the history of Rogue Squadron. This book was first published in 1996. Um, let's go around the table here. Do you guys, I want to get your guess. When is the first appearance of Rogue Squadron in Star Wars? This is a little bit of a trick question. You have a, a guess. The first time that Rogue Squadron appeared, is it in this book, or is it in something else?
0: Hmm. I, I can't. I can't remember the timeline. If this book, did this book come out before the video game? I guess that's a good question. I'm really hoping this question stumps y'all. It stumped me. I mean, I can't even think about when the first. Uh...
2: So, so there's an X-wing video game that came out on PC in '93. It was called X-wing. Then the the N64, the Rogue Squadron. The game called Rogue Squadron came out in 98. Yes. So after this book, you're going to guess the uh, the 93 PC game?
0: Uh, you stumped me, man. This is a, this is a, one of the first stumps I've ever been stumped on. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'll stick with the game. I'll go with the game for now. I can't. I'm, I'm trying to think about this, and I, I can't. It's not popping up, so.
2: Okay. Okay. Rick, what do you think? What's your guess? First
1: appearance of Rogue Squadron. Man. And let us know, everybody
2: in the chat. What's your guess? Yeah.
1: So I'm, man. Honestly, my gut is saying that it was a small reference in the original trilogy, but that's probably not right. So I'm going to say some uh, like role playing West End resource or something has it. You're partially right. Ooh, okay. Yeah, interesting.
2: So uh, let Emily answer before I spoil okay. it. First appearance of Rogue Squadron, Emily.
3: These are my least favorite. Nobody's questions. totally guessed it
2: right perfectly yet. At least as far as um, I have my data, I could be wrong.
3: I'm gonna guess episode five. Is that okay? A question? So you
2: and Rick, you and that's Rick an are a little bit right. A
3: little mm. bit right. Okay, I mean that's On... better than not not at all right. So I'll take it.
2: Yeah, that's right. On uh, Hoth, the Battle of mm-hmm. Hoth, Luke Skywalker in the Snowspeeder Squadron belongs to alongside you know. Uh, I almost said West Jenkins. What's his name? Biggs. West, we, there's no Biggs is dead by then. <laughs> uh, Dak dies, so Dak is in the in the group. That was actually a uh, cheat code. Dead Dak. West, West, <laughs> oh Jansen. Jansen. West, we got a West Jenkins on the team, and there's a West Jansen in Star Wars. A oh, West? We never made this connection. Yeah, we Wes. Yeah, the G or my accent. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's rogue group in The Empire Strikes Back. Mm. They're not properly called Rogue Squadron. And they don't fly X-Wings. They fly Snowspeeders.
1: Do they say Rogue Group? Rogue Group. Interesting. Correct.
2: Rogue Group. So it is like a little bit right. Yeah. A little bit right. There's a lot of competing origin stories in Legends and in canon Mm -hmm. for the the, the original appearance of Rogue Squadron. Like when was it named? Why was it named? Obviously, it's been retconned since 2016 to have been an homage to... Rogue One, mm-hmm. right? Jyn uh, Erso's crew that takes on the mission on Scarif, but not in Legends. Right? Uh, there ain't no Jyn Erso in Legends. We've got the original Jyn Erso. What's her name? I Biggs! AC- <laughs> <V8>. Not Biggs! <laughs> <laughs> I love your impression of Mark Campbell saying Biggs, though. We, we pretty just let
3: that. Keep coming back. Bring it back around.
2: Bring it back around. The first appearance of Rogue Squadron... That I have on record, and like I said, I could be wrong. Please correct me in the chat or in the Discord if you can find competing information, and I'll give you some kind of a like uh, a trophy. I've got a couple of spare Thrawn trilogy books lying around here. I could mail you if you correct me. All right. Um, the first appearance of Rogue Squadron, as far as I'm concerned, is actually in Heir to the Empire mm-hmm. uh, with shirtless Sabaoth himself. Heir to the Empire... Uh, Timothy Zahn introduces Rogue Squadron. Ancillary characters come in a couple of different times in the Thrawn Trilogy, published 91, 92, and 93. And then Mike Stackpole, who worked quite closely with Tim Zahn, um, asked for permission and said, Hey, I'd love to do a series about these characters. You did such a great job at establishing who they are and what they're about and their dynamic. Let's run with that. And boy, did he run with that. He didn't just run with it. He flew with it. Mm. Am I right?
0: Yeah, that was a good one. I liked it. (laughs) Oh, yeah, thank you. So for the
2: timeline, in classic Legends fashion, the, the, the Thrawn trilogy is set later in the timeline. All right, hang on to your butts here. It's set later in the timeline, a few years after Rogue Squadron, but then the book is written afterward, but then is talking about the characters established in the book that then takes place a few years later. And also has a video game that comes out a couple years later. But first, there was another video game from a few years before that. But it doesn't end there, does it, Freddie? There's comics. Yep. There's comics. Tell us about the comics. We've got uh, what? How many issues of is this? Thirty, thirty-five issues. Yeah, there's
0: about thirty-five issues, and I believe they started publishing in '95, and the run lasted till '98. Uh, and and it's. It's 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 honestly I'm not sure how many people have actually read through uh, the the X-wing comics, but they're so good. It, it, the art is wonderful. Uh, if you if you love X-wings, ships, fighting, etc., it's definitely worth worth a pickup. Have you read them? Yeah, Jared?
2: I've read most of them, some of them. I honestly can't remember how many I've read. I'm gonna have to pick up my. I've got the Epic collections down here, uh, but maybe I'll wait till next year because we do have, however. A big omnibus coming out next year, which we just talked about last week. This isn't the right one, but yeah. There's a few, two or three (laughs) um, Marvel epic collections have all the stories in them there. And then we're going to get this new hardcover omnibus coming out next year with two different covers, as we talked about on last week's show, if you want more information on those. Those comics, they're set concurrently. They're they're written concurrently with the books. So they're published throughout, what'd you say, Freddie? uh, 95 through 98? Yeah, 95 through 98. So they're being written at the same time by Mike Stackpole, but then they're set as a prequel to the books. So one more time, (laughs) Rogue Squadron originates in Heir to the Empire, which is set after the Rogue Squadron books, but they were written before the Rogue Squadron books. Then there's also comics that are written at the same time as the books that are set before the books. So chronologically, it goes comics, the X-Wing books... Than the Thrawn Trilogy books.
0: Another way to think so about it, that we got th- is is the the first time that the comic books were published was two years after the first episode of uh, Power Rangers.
1: <laughs> there we go. That's that's our point of origin. That's
2: ninety four, B- right? I think it was B BB- B P R ninety
0: four, something like that. <laughs> okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. B. Would you say BBMPR? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that works. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, this is, this is, of course, part of a 10-book series co-authored by the late, great Aaron Alston. He wrote the Wraith Squadron books. So, yeah, the first four books compose the Rogue Squadron series. Then you have the three-book Wraith Squadron trilogy, and then just a few more for good measure, because why not? And they're great, and we love them. And then, of course, in 2012, one more book was added onto the series as the Swan Song of the X Wing series in X Wing Mercy Kill, following Wedge, uh Wedge I'm messing up his name, Wedge Antille's daughter. Oh, yeah. Who is now leading her own squadron, which is super cool. And it was great to get one last hoorah from Aaron Alston two years before he died. May he rest in peace. What's amazing about these, of course, is that they were the first EU books to feature primarily original characters. Some original trilogy characters make appearances, such as Mon Mothma and Admiral Akbar, and, you know, Wedge Antilles, but for the most part, we are dealing with primarily original characters. Can we talk for a second about how groundbreaking that was for a bantam to take the risk? on letting Star Wars go in this new direction that really doesn't have original trilogy characters.
0: Yeah. It's, it's amazing to think that, okay, let's, let's, let's publish a series of books based on people you've never heard of. And we're, we're going to make you care about them fairly significantly. (laughs) And it's going to be a smash.
2: And they're going to go on to be some of the most (laughs) beloved Star Wars books of all time. Now, now, Rick is a hardback collector. I'm gonna pitch this one to you. How
1: much do you think
2: the hardback is worth of um, X-wing Rogue Squadron, first book of the of the series?
1: Let's see. I think I paid. Um... Actually, I don't think there is one. I'm gonna call BS. Doesn't exist. Emily, what do you think?
3: What? I'm. I want to play with Rick <laughs> on this one. I want to think it's a trick question. <laughs>
2: Uh, Freddie, what's your guess? How much is the hardback? It's not in my collection. Worth? I'll tell you that. It's not in your collection. Yeah, there are some really expensive Legends books, hardcovers out there. You are right. You are absolutely right, there, Rick. Oh. Unless I'm wrong, and there's something neither of us know about. Oh, there could be something in like the aftermarket, like from like overseas.
1: You never know what they're doing over there in like England,
2: <laughs> in Japan. That's true.
1: The uncharted regions. (laughs) See, I was really (laughs) hoping to call your bluff with that whole, you know, how much I paid for my thing, Jared. I was waiting for you to be like, wait a minute, what? You know, but that never happened, so.
2: We are going to have, however, a hardcover of the comics Mm -hmm. coming out next year. So, for that reason, I am going to get it. I would love to get these in hardcover. I've actually legitimately looked into, like, self-printing them for my own collection, in hardcover, yeah. just for my sh- that's how you know you've gone off the defense. So I, I, <laughs> I mean, you know. I want to ask. Let's do it together.
1: <laughs> I want to ask us. Emily
0: a question. As, as someone who has who has not read this, right? Who, this this is like part of my childhood. This is nostalgia. I, I'm pointing back there because all the books are back there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, not all of my books, just some of them. There's a ton more over here. Anyway, uh, as someone who's never, you know, that you didn't grow up with this, just think about what Bantam did. How does that? Now now that we just talked about that, how does that feel thinking about just the first time non-canon characters completely out of out of left wing?
3: Well, um I've read a I read a few books. I read a few um canon and um and legends books. So, and getting started in a Legends universe is um I kind of came prepared for the unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have read about some of these characters, though, and um, I can't remember which specific books. I was trying to look it up before uh, the show started, but I couldn't get a track of them. But, um, I mean, it's kind of exciting because it's a, a side of Star Wars I haven't really seen since Lost Stars. That was the first book mm-hmm. I read. Uh, I haven't really read much into the military side of things. I've mostly been interested in, mm-hmm. like, force lore and that kind of thing. Um, so it was definitely a different side than I expected and I really liked what they did with it. Um, they really played into like a sense of loss and like you you really get the sense of like that any of these characters could really die at any mission and that I think yeah. leads you, it, put, it puts you as a reader in a, a place of urgency. Like, oh, I need to read as much as I can because this character could die. Um, I don't know. It was an interesting like, it was an interesting experience
0: yeah that's cool I, it, to me it's like i've read them plenty of times uh but you know the first you know whose days are numbered you know whose days are numbered but the first time when you do when you do read it you i i remember what it was like to see some of these people go and you're like wait a minute that's possible in this book <laughs> that's gonna happen <laughs> hmm. it's pretty crazy
2: yeah About- yeah, it really is, and that's the fun thing about having original characters. You can do whatever you want with them. Yeah. You can make them soar to new heights, as some of these characters do, and you can make them crash in flames, Bix! as many of them do as well. Yeah, including Bigs F's yeah. in the chat for <laughs> Bigs. Now, one other fun little tidbit before we get into uh, some of the spoiler heavy territory here: that uh, Rogue Squadron was recently reintroduced in canon with Jason Fry's story in uh, from a certain point of view the empire strikes back i think it was the mm. longest story in that entire in that entire entire anthology book was uh, jason fry went all in on a Rogue Squadron story and very delightful for Legends fans. Very different than what we have in this story. Different crew uh, mixes it up a little bit, but it's kind of the formation of Rogue Squadron um, building on the the Rogue One origin story and then eventually getting us to what's going Hmm. on there in the Empire Strikes Back. So without further ado, this is going to be spoiler-heavy territory, folks. So you have been warned this is your chance, and of course, if you would like your copy of X-Wing Rogue Squadron, you can even get that Audible, uh, audible audiobook over by going to utini.com, clicking on the audio uh, Audible how do you even say this? The <laughs> the Audible audiobook pop-up link down in the corner and you can get your own free copy on us. You're welcome well here we go <laughs> the plot for rogue squadron picks up two and a half years after the battle of endor as the new republic is in need of eliminating the last few straggling imperial warlords warlord zen who's going to be featured in the race squadron books as well as Yasani Isard. that's right old Iceheart herself rogue squadron has a legacy as the best of the best in the pilots among the rebel ranks but also like as a group that's you know done a lot of dying they've Died as heroes. That's how they've cemented that legacy. So at this particular point in the story, Rogue Squadron is in need of a restart, and that's where we jump in. Wedge Antilles commands this group, and his second of his second in command is none other than Tycho Sulchu. However, prior to the events of this novel, you know, Tycho had just, you know, been captured on Coruscant, brainwashed in an Imperial prison, but he escaped, so he returned to the rebels, but nobody trusts him. There's a a uh, whole uh, aura of suspicion surrounding Tycho Celchu, So they think he's an Imperial sleeper agent, but Wedge really wants to trust him. So the compromise is this. He gets to fly with the rogues, but not in the next wing. He's in a uh, Lambda class shuttle with No weapons, no big deal. Probably not going to ever come into play. Can't get him, you know, in too much trouble, right? No weapons. He is a sitting duck out there in space, but he does it because he loves his squadron, am I right? The lingering question throughout all the book is this, will Tycho turn traitor? Well, hey, joining Wedge and Tycho is none other than the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only, everybody's favorite space cop with daddy issues, Corrin Horn. He, of course, doesn't... Believe that Tycho is here for the right reasons and is constantly second guessing his every move. He's formerly of the Corellian security force known as Corsac. He's a detective and a pilot, and he doesn't take no uh, gruff from nobody. As a detective, Corin's quite the truther. Undercutting Tycho at every turn. Their objective in this story is to take down Imperial Warlord Yosani Isard, Palpatine's former secret lover, or something like that. Anyway, uh, Isard commands her own fleet of Star Destroyers, and importantly, her own Super Star Destroyer, the Lusankya. But where exactly is she stashing it? Doesn't make an appearance in this book. That's for Rogue Squadron to find out, and blow it up! Isard deploys Intelligence Agent Kirtan Lore to track down Rogue Squadron and eliminate them. Being an analytical weasel, Ooh. Lore figures out how to track down the rogues at their base at Talisea, where he does the totally normal thing of sending in stormtroopers to murder them in their sleep. Man, I hate that guy so much. Lou Jane Forge Ooh. dies in the assault. F's in the chat for Lou Jane, serving as the reformed rogues' first casualty. The first major space battle. Now, the major space battle of the book is at the planet of Borlaeus... There's actually you know, two battles of Borlaeus, if we're being technical. The rogues plan mm. on taking it as an easy target to serve as a staging point. But, you know, it's a trap! Long story short, mm. take two on Borlaeus as Corin leads a second attempt. He almost dies in the process, is rescued by Wedge's smuggler friend, Mirax Tarek. And that's our cliffhanger at the end of the book. So let's go around the horn. Emily, let's start with you. This was your first read-through. What was your impression on Rogue Squadron? And then secondly, and then secondly, what is your impression of the audiobook? Do you go higher or lower with the audiobook itself?
3: Well, the audiobook is my only experience, so I'm only reading the audiobook. I can't read it against the um, actual book. Uh, I really liked it. Um, it was... A bit disorienting and very action packed just to be kind of thrown in the middle of like there was no like oh we're forming up Rogue Squadron. It was like nope you're just like in a simulator right off the bat and then you end in a battle. So it's just like constant action which was a lot to take in right at the beginning. Um, but I liked it. Yeah. Do you want me to give my rating yet?
2: Yeah go ahead and give the number.
3: Um, I'm going to do a 7.3. Okay,
2: that's like reasonable. Yeah, reasonable, sure. Uh, yep. Do you go higher or lower with your audiobook score?
3: Well, like I said, that was my only experience, so. Um... <laughs> but like,
2: you know, what'd you think of the performance?
3: I thought it was really, you really can at least good. My only beef was Gavin's voice. That was it. Mm-hmm. Oh so, man! Like, yeah, it's a
2: lot to take in. <laughs> that was
3: a very obnoxious voice. So I, I would uh-huh. say the audiobook is probably like, a seven point eight.
1: Okay, uh, Rick. Uh so what was the question? <laughs> All <the> about <laughs> what's your rating? What's rating? your rating? Okay. My rating um it's it's a great book and in, in my book <laughs> uh despite being uh extra corny at times um I would say it's a solid <laughs> solid 9 for me, I think. Nice. And audiobook um was great. I will say uh no doubt Mark Thompson's the best. However, I listened listened to a lot of his recent, uh, especially some of the Thrawn, New Canon Thrawn audiobooks. And some of the voices, I kind of started slipping into the the personalities of some of those other characters that he performs. So I was distracted by that a little bit, so maybe a little bit less on the audiobook side, but I was just so thrilled that we're getting more Legends audiobooks, unabridged at least, that I don't even want to touch the score. Nine it is. Right. Yeah, your critique, and I agree, I'm in the same boat, is effectively. I've
0: listened to s-
2: too many Star Wars audiobooks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's your fault more than it is his. Mm-hmm. Right, right. That's sure. Uh, Freddie, What's your score?
0: Uh, yeah, I I love this the audio- so the audiobook raised up my level. I I should go back and listen to my my episodes to see what I gave the first time around, but the audiobook painted some pictures that I was not able to read. If that makes sense, because a lot of the space, okay, sure. A lot of the space battles are sometimes, to be honest, I, I go through the space battle. I'm like, okay, let me see where some like something happens, because it's just really hard to like to. Oh, he he did an inverted right hand S turn, and and it just it's really hard to read some of those words. Sometimes it just doesn't float as as well as it does when he says it. Though, you can you can think about it without having to read it and it just gives you a better picture in your head of what is actually happening out there and i'd mm-hmm. have to say this is the first time in in consuming in consuming x-wing which i've read countless times honestly i can't i can't even count it's probably the mo my, my most read legends book honestly that intrusive akura yeah um yeah we once we've covered it twice <laughs> on the podcast yeah uh but i'd say listening to it I understood it and I, I, I was able to picture things that I was never able to picture before and that just boosted the score intensely. Uh yeah. that's
2: a that's a great way of putting it. Yeah. You know, I do kind of come in on the sense of like I've reread it so many times at this point <laughs> that it's like you know, it didn't hit me as fresh and as exciting. I definitely Capital L loved it yeah. my first read through. Mm. Um enjoyed it a lot, my second. This time around I was kind of like yeah. Okay, Corin. I get it, man. You don't <laughs> trust anybody and you're super awesome. You know, <laughs> there was a lot of me being annoyed with Corin this time around in particular, but uh, I give it a 7.8. I actually am going to come in with a hot take here that this is my least favorite X-Wing book.
0: <laughs> they do get better. I, they get better.
2: I think that this builds and the same is true for me with like Alphabet Squadron. The first book introduces the characters, you kind of set the foundation for where you can go with this. And then it soars to incredible heights after. So book two, I, I think, is immensely better than hmm. than book one because so. you're still trying to get a feel for the tone, the, the style, who the main cast of characters is. I don't love it. And I do have a few gripes with the audio book, but I did love having <laughs> it. It's amazing to think I can now just play Rogue Squadron whenever I yeah. want. Just turn you know. it on and listen. And that's never been the case before with an unabridged production so let's talk about those characters i talked about uh this book does feature of course a lot of original characters there is one however who really gets his spotlight he is in the original trilogy just a few frames here and there he is in all three original trilogy films but only for a few seconds that is none other than wedge Antilles himself so here's my big question uh let's start with you rick how did wedge become such a beloved character despite having so little screen time in the original trilogy
1: Hmm. Um, good question. I think by the way, I need to have these like incorporated like a transition. Oh, way. I have so Beep many of you, those.
2: Beep I know. was flying mine around a minute ago, but then like I got too distracted from trying to run the show.
1: Seriously, me too, I'm over here. Beep Beep okay, yeah. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Uh Wedge is such a beloved character. I think because oh, so he has he has a couple of lines, doesn't he? Um, yeah, he's got a, at, least, at least one line in A New Hope. Um, and what I remember of him is sounds really really uh maybe cliche but he's he's a solid character but he's still encouraging, you know? He he's he's a team member. He he he's uh he makes Luke feel like he's part of the team and I don't know, just like not best bud vibes but like encouraging mentor vibes, you know? Definitely dad energy. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. that could be a dad energy. And and so, you know, he's just homie. He he feels like Feels like you're you're comfortable and you're safe with with Wedge until he's close by. I'm a cry dude, man, yeah, I love wedge. I, I hadn't thought about it like that. He is the dad of of legends uh what's your
2: impression, obviously, Emily, did you know who uh Wedge was before having read the book? Did you recognize him as an original trilogy character? Yes,
3: yes, I've heard like bits okay. and pieces um through different books. He's a mentioned in some of the short stories in Star Wars Insider um Right. So I, I knew that he was some kind of legend, and he was an amazing pilot, and that's about all I needed to know to understand the book. I mean, it's it's made very clear in that part of the book. I don't get why he became such a big deal. Kind of like I feel like Wedge Antilles and Boba Fett were two characters that came from the original trilogy that I just thought, okay, why do people love these characters so much? Like, what am I missing here that is there more somewhere that they're getting it from? Now I know that there you are books, so it's
0: probably because yeah. <laughs> Dennis Lawson is actually you and McGregor's real-life uncle. Mm-hmm. Is that crazy? <laughs> yeah,
2: the actor that, must that, the be actor it. that played Wedge. Mm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I've always considered Wedge like this. He's like that—the the Tom Brady of legends. Now, I don't love Tom Brady as you know. I live in New England, not a Patriots mm-hmm. fan. But here's what I mean: What is he a 12th-round draft pick? Mm-hmm. He's he was not anybody's first choice as like he's gonna be our franchise quarterback. But then once he was on the team, he overperformed. Everybody loved him. He took over. He was flawless. He can do no wrong. Are you with me? Are you tracking? He he like wouldn't be your first pick if you're watching the original trilogy and thinking let's make a book series with that guy. But like once he's on your team, he starts you know he starts performing. He's like oh everybody can get behind this guy. What do you think? Is Wedge the new Tom Brady? Let me know in the Discord. Made that up on the spot. <laughs> when he gets traded to the Buccaneers, though, that's when it really really takes a turn. Well let me ask you this, Freddie, how does Wedge hold up as like as a as a squad member? Was he right to keep Tyco's secret from the rest of the squadron? <sighs> obviously he's like hmm. You know, their commanding officer. He's got to make those tough calls, but he's keeping this huge secret. But then, when Corrin finds it out, everything falls to pieces. Yeah, was it this the right decision for Wedge to keep this massive secret from uh, his team?
0: So this is this is an interesting interesting question because I feel like it changes it changes as I change. Uh, there, there's a couple of things that a high risk group doesn't need, and that's added stress or distractions. Mm-hmm. Right, and and the second you introduce a distraction, I mean, look at Corin Horn. He's he just wants to to eat everybody's opinion out of the way uh, and rub his medallion and rub in his the medallion meantime. as uh, and f- yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay, <laughs> I was gonna use I was gonna use Michael Stackpole's language. It wasn't uh, rubbing his medallion. It's you know fingering the the button and.
1: Oh. He does say fingering quite a bit. Yeah, he yep. does. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: It, it's distracting, actually. Um,
1: distracting X-Wing. Pew, pew. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rick. Thanks, Rick. <laughs> I totally forgot <laughs> what you were talking about.
0: <sighs> but That's a good point, though, that, That's what I think about, right? It, he's, he's a leader who's trying to think, okay, priorities. Yes, we should be transparent with each other, but also this is a big deal that's going to take too many people away from their training and their lives. Maybe, maybe if, you know... Uh, down the line, when things are a little easier in the world of of the uh, New Republic, they're not so stressed out about these things. But they really are living day to day, and you can feel it reading this book. They're living literally day to day. So I think mm. it's a great a great thing.
2: I think I have the opposite opinion, which is why I wrote the question in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> and I, in a professional sense, have had massive secrets kept from me by superiors. And, like, mm I don't want that again. Mm-hmm. So, like, I've got some, you know, PTSD that's, like, you know, yeah, I can hear it in the back of my mind. Like, it's just like what happened last time. But I see your point, Freddie. Mm. Uh, Emily, what's your take on this?
3: Uh, I'm with Freddie on this. Uh, I think that it was entirely within Wedge's right to withhold that information. The psychology of warfare is different than the psychology of, like, the civilian world. Um You just, you can't tell the average soldier everything because they are, they need to be focused on the one thing that they're assigned to do. Um, So if they know about all all the gray areas, then it's going to make their job much more difficult. You can only make so many decisions a day. And so um, just kind of removing some of the gray and allowing them just to focus on the mission at hand, I think was the right call.
2: Ooh, look at her with her military (laughs) insight. Yeah. (laughs) That's great. Who knew that was gonna come into play? Not me. I'm glad it did though. Yeah. Uh, c- however, please disagree with her, Rick, and take my side. <laughs> <time. laughs> take devil's advocate.
0: Uh,
1: I will be the uh, the the peacemaker, I guess, between <laughs> and say there are advantages to both sides in this argument. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, my my first thought was was uh, with the the the. I don't know. They keep keep the squad in the dark faction because, yeah, like you guys are saying, a chain of command has to be kept, and you can't, you you know, it's it's actually kind of annoying to me when Corrin goes off and does his thing. I know that he you know has his detective background, so he's he's doing what he thinks is right, but it really does disrupt their their unit, and so um, I don't know. But on the other side. They're adults, they're rebels. I mean, let's see, I guess technically they're new republic, so um, it's maybe their job, but they're still choosing to be there and so it's different than if they were an imperial pilot. You would definitely not expect them to have any any knowledge of the mission or the the people because they all, they all just have numbers you know serial numbers basically is who they are in the empire. So um, being a new republic pilot. It's different. Yeah, I would say maybe it could be a little different. And so, and as a people, as characters, it makes more sense um, for them to know. So this is definitely good conflict in the book, you know, from a liter- literature perspective that it's it's really making this personal and kind of taking it out of that military context. Um, so I see both sides. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but see, that's exactly why Corrin ends up getting so frustrated, though, is that this was kept from him. But yeah, it, his reaction is supposed to be frustrating it's supposed to be grating to us as readers he's got a character arc they got to start him as this <laughs> mm. you know kind of petty distrusting character very self-absorbed so so, so that he so can hurt. go on a journey right <laughs> corin has taken a lot of attention in the utini world as a character that we love to hate mm. or that we at least love to tease i'm not totally sure what our relationship is with the guy but it's interesting <laughs> let me ask you though uh, Freddy, is Corrin right to be so suspicious of his squad mates? <sighs> you know, we can debate Wedge's right as the commander, but what about Corrin? Hmm. Should he be so suspicious? Or why is he such a grating character? Why do people love to hate Corrin? You
0: <laughs> know, I, I'm i a big fan of Corrin, and there's times where in, I'm reading his thought process and thinking, yeah, what the heck? You know, like, what? <laughs> 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 and, and And so... i'm not saying i'm anything like that but but corin is jaded he was in a world of crime and a world of crime really changes your perspective on people because not you know you always expect the worst and and you need to verify trust but verify right that's Mm -hmm. that's kind of the motto he lives by and if he, he he's a he's a lone wolf and because of that he needs to take care of himself and he's not used to taking care of other people and he has major dad issues
2: what? <laughs> but he's he's like not he's not that much yeah, there's a lot of daddy stuff. You just wait that for That wasn't it. it's clear kinda, at all. Is is all right, so Corin he's really not that much of a lone wolf. Like they introduce the fact that he has been on a team. We get to meet Iella, yeah. right? And who is the other guy? The one that Gil Bastra, Gilbastra, right? He's mm-hmm. he's in there doing something. He's got like he's frenemies with Kirtan Lore. <laughs> okay, yeah, he's really not that great of a team player, is he? Uh, Emily, Rick, either of you want to weigh in on this one? Why? Why is Corrin so grating to so many people? Emily, you said that that uh, you liked him.
3: Yeah. So I think that if I had read the physical version of the book, I probably wouldn't have liked him as much, uh, because I just had a lot of prejudice going in from how much Corey has wildly <laughs> and openly disliked him. I think Yutini, we came up with like a hundred different corn Horn specific trivia questions. Jared, I think you probably (laughs) contributed 82 of them at least. Um, At least
2: half, at least uh,
3: half. You like a lot of them. Sounds right. (laughs) So from seeing all of that attention on this one particular character, which I don't think any other character has gotten that much negative energy on you, Like we're a pretty positive community. um, I think if I had read the book, I would have read him as more selfish and annoying than he came across in the audiobook and the audiobook just the way the narrator um, personified him he seemed very reasonable and i was on his yeah. side like 100 percent
0: yeah i could see that that's
2: a good point mark thompson did give him a very likable reasonable mm. smooth voice <laughs> because he's the character you're having to hear from the most <laughs> yeah. which at first i was it was jarring for me because mm-hmm. I, for me, Corin is pettier than that. In the first <laughs> I, book.
0: Dude, I have to say the same exact thing on my side. Me <laughs> oh, man, yeah. I want to be a hero. <laughs> Freddie, you're on it with the voice to tonight, extreme. man. You're
2: killing it. He is. Freddie's on one. <laughs> it's called "Sip of Sunshine." <laughs> um, you know, in particular, uh, there were a few characters in the audio book that, like, you know, hey, I've read this book a bunch of times. They're portrayed differently than I would have expected. Mm-hmm. Corin was one. And I thought mm-hmm. uh, he did a great job with making Corin likable. That's a great point. Yeah. Rick is why do people love to hate Corin? Is he right to be so
1: suspicious of his squadmates? Um, so honestly the first time I read this, I didn't hate Corin. I liked him a lot. Um, and I guess I, you know, I, I read or listen and I don't this is there's like a whole bunch of psychology in this, people talk about and all that, but some people don't as always associate with the lead character when they read or experience the story. But I'm one of the people that, that does, you know, tries yeah. to just think through, you know, the main character's perspective. And so I liked Korin the first time I read him, and so it really wasn't until I was poisoned by our good folks at Utini. no, just kidding, uh, that I <laughs> thought anything less of Korin, honestly. Um, but Second Pass, I can definitely see some of the criticism. And... Um, We're probably going to get into some of his relationship uh, perspectives and the way that uh, women are portrayed and some of those issues in the book. And so that definitely is a, um, I guess, some caution we should throw Corrin's way a little bit. He's a bit of a womanizer. Right. And um, even, (laughs) I mean, there's not not too much that he participates in, in in the book, but it's almost arrogant lofty that, you know, it would be below him you know, to um participate. <laughs> and so, um that could be part of it. Now as far as his corn right to be suspicious, um Yeah, I think Freddie said it well that that's that's kinda who he is. You know, he he's gonna he's gonna check things out. He's gonna be cautious. You can't really turn off that that career as a Corsac officer. You know, he's gotta do his job to protect the people he cares about. But it's it's I can see how it, you know, definitely creates conflict and um maybe not be fun to to work with a person like that the issue is we'd never get to see him
2: as a detective Mm -hmm. uh there's some of that in i jedi for better or for worse (laughs) but i think if there was like here's what we need we need a prequel novel to rogue squadron a prequel set concurrently with the comics (laughs) but all about because he's not in the comics um all about corin horn as a detective corin horn Space spy. There we go. That's the name. A Star Wars story. Legends. That's the name. Right. So then I would feel maybe like a little bit of his detective side, but I don't quite get there. You know, Rick, you talk about him being uh, iffy in his relationships. Let's talk about uh, who those relationships involve, at least for a minute here. A couple of really lovable or hateable, depending on whose side you take. Mm. Ladies in this particular book, there's a little bit of like the classic 90s, um, the women Tropes. fighting over the man yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure that they would Pass the Bechdel test Do they ever have a conversation That's not about their relationships mm-hmm. I don't know But what sets them apart Obviously Corrin is waffling between Mirax and Irisi. Mm. Irisi is a pilot in his squadron With him from Thyfera The Bacta planet And she's got a wicked British accent in this I thought book, it was so German a red flag Oh, is it I German? You know, was yeah. German. European. They're all we'll the same We'll give it a little
1: farther Eastern European than than Great Britain, I'd say.
2: Okay, no, you're right. Absolutely, <laughs> definitely. There's no Germany I in Star Wars. Fans, we are <laughs> German. I was about to
3: say, like, I feel like these are just interpretations. My name is Prochace. Like
0: Where's my beer? <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's on your yeah, book. you know, Freddie, <laughs> you yeah, can read and, it uh, all. Ro- <laughs>
2: in rogue podron a uh give them a shout out a podcast that i love where they do like book clubs with yeah. these books they call bro jace bro jace <laughs> because he is yes. so bro that's perfect <laughs> you know he would love to attend i love his voice Octoberfest. too. what uh, what sets them apart for you guys mirax on the other hand she's down to earth she's buds with wedge they used to work at a gas station together or something like that um what sets them apart as characters? Why
0: is Corin stuck between... Why is Corrin in this love triangle? Oh, man. Hmm. I, I, you know, I hope... I should see who's watching this show right now, but I think it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like I've been stuck in this situation before of... of two women you know, fighting two, over you? The, <laughs> I wouldn't say fighting <laughs> over me, but <laughs> <laughs> just two women that entered my life at the same time, and I was like, uh-oh, a decision needs to be made. You have like the the sultry, smart, um I'm not even sure how to how to how to call this. It's she just super uh independent, right? No 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 care in the world and maybe tiptoeing, maybe a smuggler, you know? Kinda got that mentality. Right. And then you have like this heiress of the Bacta Empire. Uh you know, and and, and it's yeah. it's like what's really attractive at this point? Is it is it the looks or is it the person who knows your kind of your life story? You know, it's it's the old Romeo Juliet cat and mouse thing between mm-hmm. their families. Uh yeah. and and it's like what's what what is what should you do at that point? And I could totally see you getting stuck in that situation. <laughs> mm. It does get a little bit I'll say cringy, the
2: way yeah. that the Corinne is evaluating the women's appearances and you know, comparing them one to the other, he's like, "Well, she's not quite as beautiful as the other, but still, respectively, yeah, <laughs> respectively, as far as the looks are concerned." And I'm like, "Nope, don't want any part in this. This doesn't <laughs> hold up, that's for sure." Uh, how about the feminine perspective on this, Emily?
3: Yes, I think Mirax reminds him of home. I think that he's at this point in his life where he's lived a lot of lives. He's done. He's played out the scenarios enough. To know that his normal game isn't enough anymore, like he wants to settle down and he he wants something. He's I think he's more attracted to MiraX for what she represents at this point. Um, like she makes him that cake. What's it called? Like rice gate.
2: Oh yeah. I don't know yeah, how you spell yeah, it. Yeah, rice
3: gate. But he like talks I about that it a as lot. Rice crispy treats. <laughs> I feel like he talks better about rice gate than he talks about either of them. Yeah. Which is Ooh. kind of funny. Um, so. Yeah, and then Aresi is kinda just the been there, done that. Like I've done the Aeris thing, I've done the the sexy woman thing. But probably Zeltron, I don't even know. I don't wanna
0: know. <laughs> I love it. She's catching on quick. But, guys. Uh, would you would you say that in terms of like personality, uh, one has one and the other one maybe not so much? Hmm. <laughs>
3: Yeah, you know, I, I think There's... I'd probably say that. Like, I think that she pushes back enough. Like, Mirax knows enough. And men who have strong personalities like Corin typically do like a woman that pushes back and kind of, like, cuts him down a little bit. And I think that the the, the play, like, the the wit and the, the jokes and then just the reminding of home, I just think that that is more attractive to him at this point in his life than Aresi is.
0: Yeah, they have a common. Classic
2: Star Wars fashion. What I love about Mirax is that she has to rescue him. Oh yeah, that one's good too. Yeah,
3: I like that. Absolutely.
2: Now, my number one takeaway from this whole discussion—I've got to admit—I'm a bit sidetracked. I really want like a Patreon exclusive. Freddie C gives love advice. (laughs) (laughs) Freddie dishes on. (laughs) On <laughs> his his love story a call in. There's clearly something here that <laughs> we'll he's do a hiding. call in.
0: <laughs>
3: I feel like we need a whole episode just dedicated to Freddie because he missed the getting to know the host episode, and I feel like we all oh, missed true. out and on that. So I I think that maybe one day, rainy day, bonus yeah. episode. I'd say people
0: have gotten to know me over the years,
1: but the people want, oh more. The people want <laughs> more. The people want more. <laughs> De-
2: definitely well let's let's uh, round out the character segment here with this uh, there's a huge cast of original characters We got some heroes we got some villains we got some some villains uh, that uh, are gonna be longer lasting than others we've got some heroes that bite it some heroes that are obviously going to last for decades from here but let's go around the horn and ask <laughs> who is your who is your favorite I didn't even get that one Rick that was totally unintentional I was like, "What's he laughing about over there?" Who's your favorite rogue? Mm. You can't pick the same character. Oh man! I'm gonna steal Tycho. Tycho's off the table. He's my guy. I know who mine. And I'm gonna say non-British accent, Tycho. I didn't love the British accent. I realized in an audiobook, you have to give a distinct voice for each character, so that when you hear it, you instantly know who it is. And there's so many characters in this, Mm. you've got to give them distinct voices. He's from Alderon, so like, yeah, sure, fancy, maybe. I didn't love it for me. He is he's uh, Chris um, Chris Evans. That's that's my Tyco. Huh. But you know that's neither here <laughs> nor there.
1: Uh, Rick, let's go to you. Who's your favorite? Let's say it. Um. So just want to point out that my wife is throwing shade in the chat. So um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I saw that. I it. saw your move face. along. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Move along. Right. Um, pew pew. Okay. Uh, let's see. <laughs> um, dang it. Tyco is mine. So I gotta get, think a second. Ah. Uh, do it. Don't do it, Rick. I've got a list around here somewhere. See if I can find it. M. Trey. We'll move on. We'll move on. We'll come back to you, Rick. M. Trey. say. M. Trey. Oh, yep. Yes. I I yes.
0: loved M. Trey in the audiobook. I feel like it gave him so much more character. Definitely. Yeah, talk about that, Freddie. What, what about that? Did you love? Yeah. So the the fact that he he turned into this uh, flyboy smuggler, right? I got gotcha, you. You know. Uh, from I thought about used car sales. Uh, used car salesman. You <laughs> yes. can say that. I, I feel like he's like an old time. Biplane uh, pilot who would just take you into the bush somewhere, you know. He, <laughs> he he's like a a guy you can always rely on. He he does a lot of different things. I feel like that's M. Uh He's when that secret scrounge protocol yeah. is deployed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's the proper he's the proper protocol droid. Uh, he's he's got a different voice, obviously than than um, C three PO, but still that formal speak, I'll say. Um, but then when you activate his his uh you got it right that yeah that that mode um (laughs) you've really nailed that (laughs) uh it it really it really gives a different vibe of what exactly that change felt like because reading the book you can't really tell right it it doesn't really it doesn't really mesh and and even the the wink you know the little wink you could see that it was it was hilarious that's good um yeah that was a good one i i would say that that Mtray was never a contender until this audiobook.
2: Hmm. I I actually thought Mtray was the spy in my first yeah, read-through. Me, me too. <laughs> We're not going to spoil who it is, but you know, it's not revealed in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's revealed till book three or four. It takes a while. Yeah. Okay. So my pick is Tycho, and Rick's pick is Mtray. That one was a sleeper for sure. I didn't see that one coming. Uh, <laughs> Emily, what's your pick? favorite rogue. We've got Wedge, Tyco, Corin, Noara, Broar, Rasati, Gavin, don't Oral, Irisi, Lu Jane, Peshk, Riv, and Andorni.
3: I liked Oral. Oh, he was nice. cute. He's you know, like Charles, he's always there uh, when you want him to be and like he's just enough like he, I don't know, he's just like kind of adorable and you just want to like but he can he can like kill like stormtroopers really easily. So I don't I don't yeah. know I just yeah he's, he's cool. sneaky yeah I like him I'd want him to you know, be my wingman. Speaks wing of himself too. in the third person. Yeah, definitely yeah. someone you can
0: trust. Yeah. Yes,
3: like he's like your ride or die, and I like, like you, that you about could, him.
0: You could definitely tell that that whor- uh, <laughs> Uh-oh. oh,
1: <laughs> corn, <laughs> horn. <laughs> what is a horrid corn? Is that something you buy at the store?
0: <laughs> Nothing to see here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's keep moving. Move oh, along.
3: Okay. <laughs> Move along.
0: Um, Corin Horn, it, it, you could definitely see that he's he's the perfect person that he would never mistrust. Uh, mm. Always rely on him to have his back. Yeah,
1: so I like, I like Oral. for sure. Definitely. Yeah,
2: he's certainly quirky, so that there's that to love. He is, uh, I think, Charles from the Living Forest. I think he is uh, his favorite character who's not obi-wan kenobi wow one of his very favorite wow. star wars characters so there's that Who, his there's is that. that
1: you said his opinion charles charles okay cool
2: Hankel. there it is i was really blanking on his last name
1: we got two guys
2: with the same uh, same initials as score and horn yes Get <laughs> cory hilton and charles Hankel. i smell a conspiracy <laughs> and final pick of the draft
0: Freddy, who's I'm your favorite so rogue? I'm so glad nobody said mine. Because I feel like everybody... The last time we had this conversation, you picked my guy again. Or maybe I picked him. But I really am a big <laughs> fan of Noara. Noara huh. is my most favorite character. Every time I read him, I just love how he's like, uh, you know, these guys are having a serious moment. And he comes in, excuse me, guys. <laughs> like, if you could rule on this affair that we're having, you know? <laughs> well, they have, like, we these drinking games,
2: and he's like... Uh, arbitrating their their discussions in the pub, which is a lot of fun. Uh, I do want to give a shout-out, honorable mention to Riv Shield, the Wolfman. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> who has like, got a bromance with Gavin. They're like best friends, a boy and his dog, mm. if you will, or a boy and his Wolfman. <laughs> so <laughs> there's, yeah. there's that. I want to give him want to give him that shout out there as well we talked about the characters let's at least briefly hit a couple of the big questions here before we close out the show some of the overarching plot points um freddie you mentioned earlier in the show that you found the combat too technical to follow i i think maybe i'm in the minority here because i've seen that complaint a lot i'm interested in rick and emily's opinion as well as everybody here in the chat I actually maybe it's because I trained myself early on as like a ten-year-old how to read this. How stuff. to read? <laughs> I was like, That's I remember 10. leafing through. Oh, no, God. how to read the the space combat. That makes sense. I remember uh, okay, uh, yeah. leafing through an actual Webster's dictionary, yeah. a physical thing. <laughs> when I got to the word port side, I'm like, don't know what that is. Flip, 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 flip. Oh, okay, got it. Aft. What the heck is aft? And so then I just began. I had like my little Legos. In my room, I would listen to the abridged audiobook, and I would fly them, and I would try to follow the space combat physically. Mm-hmm. I think what we are lacking on utini.com is a guide to legend space combat. Oh. Like, a, like, an, like an infographic? Yes. of oh, Uh-oh. we lost Rick. I'm so excited <laughs> about that. We're, we're going to need a I towel. Want, <laughs> <laughs> I want a, like want an infographic of port and aft and
0: all the other ones. Uh, so did you port, say, uh, port has uh, three port, or there four go. letters, and so does left. Yeah, how you remember bow. that? And then if uh, you're, uh, so, if you're the the usually this is how I remembered guys. I'm sorry, I gotta I gotta do this.
3: <laughs> do it. I've got my own thing uh, too.
0: What what happens if you're in the engine room? The captain's gonna be mighty stern at you. So that's the stern. And then when you bow, you go forward. So it's the front of the boat.
3: Oh, there you go. Mm. Oh
0: well, wow. nice. It's like the Macarena up in here like that. <laughs>
2: So for me, I can follow every last little thing they describe. I think it's described infinitely better Mm. than canon space combat, which is so much more focused on the character. I can follow physically everything that's happening in these books. Now, is it because I've read them five or six times? Maybe. Who's to say? (laughs) There's also that. There's also that. Who's to say? All right. Uh, So Freddie says it's too technical. I vehemently disagree (laughs) and
1: say I want more of it. Yes. Uh, Rick, you are you with me on this? I'm 100 percent with you, dude. So yes, I I'm a huge nerd, right? And I actually went to sailing camp as a kid, <laughs> so all of those <laughs> ship terms I knew, you know. And uh, nice. I was in a, a program called Civil Air Patrol uh, growing oh, up nice. as well. Yeah, and so that's right. Got to do some flying, and I I've all, lifelong dream to have my pilot's license. And so um, any any kind of like fighter jock movie or story, I'm all about. Yeah. You no, know, I even have. Um... Rick, we're gonna have to play shirtless volleyball next time we get together. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have my my, my HOTUS controller. It's an Air Force thing, I guess. But uh, so yeah. Oh nice. I have a HOTAS controller because that's that's the only way that you can play a fighter squadron game. Is with a throttle and stick, man. So um, we got to anyway, do shirtless volleyball, and we have to wear our sunglasses I, while we're doing I it. I will ruin shirtless volleyball for everyone <laughs> if I participate. <laughs> We've seen <laughs>
2: white <arms.
0: laughs>
1: that is true. There's more where that came from.
2: <laughs> we do have a woman on the so- show, so maybe we should stop talking about shirtless volleyball. Yep. All this is to say that classically, this book has been understood as the Star Wars meets Top Gun book. It That's is. Right? fair. It yes. definitely
3: came across that way, for sure.
2: <laughs> yeah. But no, I yeah. Emily whose side are you on the technical or the non-technical
3: um i liked i liked the technical in the audiobook i think if i was reading the book i would skim it uh <laughs> not a big fighter person anyway i like reading more about people and relationships uh than i do about the action scenes that's not as exciting to me but uh, but i think they did it really well they, He was very clearly knowledgeable and about all the technical terms and um my husband really loves Tom Clancy books so I've read like a oh, bunch yeah. of them. He's a big navy yeah. guy so like I've got the Port and Starboard stuff down. So nice. that's kind of how I've got that under wraps.
0: That's <laughs> it, you know I I think it's just the fact of when I take in information I can read it and it's just going to flow right through me but I yeah. hear it and it, it triggers such a different reaction, right? That's fair. I can actually paint the picture in my head because when I read yeah, a I book I have better. to paint that picture Sometimes you're reading turning left or, or, you know, turning to his port, uh, hard, hard turn to his starboard side. And you're just like, wait, um, OK, let me let me picture that. OK, got it. And it just gets to the point where you're like, you know what, I'm going to get to the next page.
2: <laughs> and, and there's no shame in yeah. the skimming either. Um, I, I just think that it makes for some interesting storytelling, because if you are reading a couple hundred Star Wars books, which like, let's be honest, I have. If every time you get to space combat, you're like, ah, space combat, skipping it. <laughs> it really robs Star Wars of a lot of its, you know, Star Wars books True. of a lot of their, their magic. Yeah. Um, there's some really interesting storytelling maneuvers that are achieved in the way they describe space combat. Mm-hmm. You know, the way that somebody can loop around a moon, like you mm. know, the Han Solo, the the slingshot around oh, the moon, yeah. that's a classic. Mm-hmm. And uh, the way that Luke is able to, what does he do, like... Some kind of a maneuver with he's stuck in a tractor beam in the Thrawn trilogy. Yeah. I mean, mm. obviously, see, I follow the I, like I can't even describe what it. What I
3: really prefer in Star Wars like combat is when like Thrawn. The Thrawn books do this really well. They like some idiot in like the main room, like what is it, the cabin, like the control the room of the ship. Yeah, the bridge. The bridge yeah. yeah, so somebody, some idiot in the bridge is like what. And then they explain it all in like dummy terms. And that Mm, is just wonderful for me. Because I'm like, okay, so that's what they were doing. So it's great because you have like an interpreter at the end. So you don't feel like you missed something. Speaking, Hmm. you know, truly from a personal I'm not sure I
1: thought about it like that. Okay. Okay. And I'll I'll say too, um, you know, I, I can read that and not even follow everything word for word i guess you don't i guess i'm trying to say is you don't have to follow the 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 specifics of the technical stuff that's happening but it still is an immersive experience because even if you're an outsider to all of that which i mean of course i am too i I don't fly anything that's a fighter anything but it still creates that experience for you so i think that Mm -hmm. that's worth it even if you can't follow it if you maybe not skim it but you just kind of appreciate it without understanding it i guess
0: yeah (laughs) Yeah, I, I could say yeah. I could say that you you can read it and sense the urgency without having to understand it. That's for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: That's a good way to say it. Yeah, for me, it
2: really slows down. Like the way it's described in a book, hmm. it's like it's like the the what I would picture in, in a movie. It would happen: boom, 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 oh, boom. Yeah. It'd be over in two or three minutes. In the book, one maneuver can take two or three paragraphs to describe. Right. and so for me, it just. Zhoo, slows down like the matrix that's, I, that's the way i see it all interesting happening.
0: i just love what uh, huh. uh, what is it han solo in in uh in a new hope uh, i know some maneuvers just go slightly to the left <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my gosh well freddie when we discussed this book two years ago i asked you this question it's going to hit totally different now now that we have a Rogue Squadron movie announced. Mm. <laughs> uh we I asked you then what would you like to see in a Rogue Squadron oh, movie? Yeah. It's a totally different question this time around, isn't it?
0: It's do you you have a guess? I I'm not entirely sure because I've got I've got this audio book in my head which is super fresh, right? It's a totally different I feel like it's almost a different book for me. Um and obviously we can't do the Top Gun thing anymore, but but I have a feeling like the amount of people that are going to go get pilot's license after this is going to be really high. (laughs) And I feel like it's because we're going to see pilots in action. We're going to see them in the Star Wars world where we've only seen maybe like clips here and there a minute at a time, five minutes at a time. But this is going to be a more in-depth movie. So I'd like to just see what it would be like to see a, a modern version of of like what battle is going to feel like as a pilot where these days every day matters because you might not be around right and mm. and i'd like to just see that portrayed in movie format and i feel like it's going to be it's it, i'm leaning a lot on the uh like saving private ryan kind of emotional thing i'd like mm. to see that okay
1: huh.
2: okay um, you know, for me I don't want to see the direct adaptation of the book. Yeah. I would like just like two or three really quality Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. Like a like a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Squad a Twilight squadmate named noir event Like I don't <laughs> want the whole squad. I'd like one of them. Like oral <laughs> quirk. Let's just have yes. one repeat character from the books. Like that's all I need. Yeah. uh The wolfman, Rib I I guess if you're going to have Riv then you have to have Gavin. If you have to have Gavin, he has to get love advice from Corin Horn. It's like if you give a mouse a cookie, but <laughs> except for with love advice from Corin Horn and Whistler. Man. You want to see Whistler? That'd be cool. Yeah, it's that exactly should be a book. A little Easter egg like that. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, Rick, what's your
1: pick for what you'd like to see in the Rogue Squadron movie? So I have really um, high expectations for the movie, but really low expectations that they're going to do much to the Rogue Squadron or X Wing series books. I think that they're probably going to disregard it entirely, and hope, hopefully, I mean, I hope they do more than that. But that's my expectation. You know, I had to learn similar, you know, yeah. to keep my expectations in check, and so I'm expecting an awesome story, um, that, like you said, maybe has some Easter eggs, but I don't even think they're going to be front and center. I think, I think we're going to have good. to have to find them in the background. But I, I think that's that's valid. That's mm. super yeah. valid. So we'll see. And in we'll some see. ways, that's good. Because then it doesn't ruin the books. Yeah, that's You can true. still read them, <laughs> you, right? You can if
0: still you steer read them clear. And just like everything right now, I feel like you can still sort of read everything without it being like ah, that didn't happen. I mean, there's times where it happens, but I'd like, I'd like, I like that point of view, Rick. That's a good one.
1: Yeah, thanks, man. I, I think I'd say too, though, that I do want to see a ton of space combat. Yes. <laughs> you know, if we could put like the last I mean, 30 minutes given. of of Rogue One as like a template of, you know, <laughs> lots of ships fighting, that that alone will make it make it worth me, worth it for me. You know, honestly, <laughs> okay, if there's not even that much character development, but a lot of space action, I'm going to be happy. <laughs> I hope Top they have good. some character, yeah. <laughs> I hope they have some some space action or uh, characters, but yeah, lots of action and And jargony spider stuff. Man, I'm all about it. Sounds good.
2: Now, Scooma Joe makes a great point here in the chat that Patty Jenkins mentioned the Rogue Squadron books on Twitter, and Mm -hmm. he believes she even tagged Michael Stackpole. So, gotta admit, Joey, that's the best news I've heard all day. Hasn't played the video
0: game yet, though.
2: (laughs) That's fair. I still have never beaten it. I should do... uh, I thought about making this a whole event because I can never just take things in bite-sized manageable (laughs) chunks. Uh, I've got massive grand ideas. I thought, Freddie, we could do... Like a, a playthrough, like a game night where so you and I Love play them. some uh,
0: some Rogue Squadron. Maybe one of these days, you know.
2: I've got In the, the N64 it game. Has to, yeah, you
1: have, take
0: me back to my, my most favorite and memorable Christmas. Cause that was it, mm. man.
1: Thanks <laughs> thanks for the invite there, bud. <laughs> oh! Rick, well, Rick is going to be playing I, volleyball. I say it because
2: I know that, <laughs> I know that Freddy has the equipment uh, for like, the gaming. I, I don't know. Are you a gamer? Uh, not much, but I have more equipment now than I did as a kid, so... <laughs> Okay, there's that. Emily, uh, final thoughts here. What would you like to see in the Rogue Squadron movie?
3: I want 80s and 90s nostalgia, like mm,
2: through the so roof. Cool. That's I'd what I that. want. Yep, like a Captain Marvel esque yes, kind exactly of exactly uh, like that. That was theme. the thought I had. The tone, yeah. And some beepers. I
3: don't want much. I just want like a massive amount of like 80s and 90s references.
1: I love mm. that. Is that too much to that,
0: ask? That'd be so cool.
1: Yeah,
2: it crash a Star Destroyer through a blockbuster. I want to. Yeah, I wanna, something like that. <laughs> yes.
1: Can we have an action sequence with Danger Zone blaring in the background? That'd be great.
0: Yes! Danger Zone! Mm.
1: <laughs> oh, man. All right. I'm going to go watch Shotgun.
2: Has the new one come out? Wasn't there a new one? Oh, yeah. Did that ever happen? They, well, I thought it did. I don't know. It got postponed with the pandemic. Yeah. Oh. I have no idea. I'm not idea. sure.
3: I know That's it's kind of released it, Release it out already. What well,
2: we'll, we'll to find out? Well, uh, thank you everybody for joining us tonight. Our next show is going to be Star Wars movies without movies, uh, inspired by this summer's Shadows of the Empire event. Our next roundtable coming up before you know it's actually literally just a couple of weeks away. I got to get to reading. Is Darth Bane Path of Destruction? We are going to tackle the entire Darth Bane trilogy. Um, throughout. uh, We'll get through it the rest in the springtime, so before very long. And then after that, of course, we are going to get to the uh, Boba Fett blood ties omnibus that's coming out that will be our december roundtable as well if you would like to follow along by reading with us that does it for this week thank you for joining us on legends look back we want to give a special shout out to our incredible patrons for your amazing support specifically to cheryl bell patrick ortiz carl sander O.K. indar on our jedi high council as well as elizabeth cloutier jason Mitchell sally and chris eilerson Freddie c and somebody else who i've also left out that was on it last week that didn't make it you know who you are you're amazing thank you for your amazing support <laughs> if you'd like your thoughts around the show you can email us at legendslookback at at com. send us a message in the legends look back discord channel leave us a message um somewhere else lost my train of thought you know drop a comment Hey, we would love to hear from you. You can also comment on Twitter directly at Legends Lookback or at me personally. I'm at Jared Q. Mays or Freddy. At
0: B I I I G G G S Biggs, <laughs> uh,
2: Wake Up Freddy. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see if that one's taken. How about you, Rick?
1: Rick at Rick underscore Grace. And Emily.
3: At Darth Dayback.
2: Wonderful. If you're looking to buy some of these books, such as, hey, we could get the classic Rogue Squadron book. You can get the the new Essential. Legends Collection Rogue Squadron. We've got all kinds of different options there on which you can pick up your X-Wing books. You can go over to the book profile on utini.com click the Amazon link in the profile, and give us a few cents to help keep the lights on. After that, you can leave us a review and let us know what you think. Remember, everybody to keep the Uteni fan code and be a force for positivity in the fandom and not a total drag like Cornhorn. May the force...
0: This is a UTV broadcast.